Welcome to Museum Camp. I'm Megan. I'm Madison. Hello and welcome to another episode of our podcast. <laughs> it's just a you podcast. know what it is. You, you know hit it. play. Yeah. You Please hit play. Stop making us explain so, it. So I don't. I don't feel like I need to really. Yeah. Reiterate. You don't. Nor and should I shan't. you. Um, Madison, what's going on with you, girl? You know. Um, not a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I've been, well, I've been reading more as I wake up in the night again, still working my way, which is funny because after the holidays and I didn't read or I mm-hmm. read quite a bit over the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, now all of my reading stems or comes in the middle of the night when I can't sleep. Sure. Of <laughs> course. Yeah. Grab that Kindle the best time to do and it. run. Um, so I'm still reading the Magpie Murders. I'm very close to finishing it. It's very good. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the other thing, I don't think I've been really watching anything new. Mm -hmm. Um, just, you know, the usual. Yeah. Um, but I did discover something. Okay. Um, yesterday. So, you know, well, we know GeoGuessr. We, we definitely know GeoGuessr. We know GeoGuessr intimately. Yes. We know it biblically. Biblically. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know how... One of my favorite YouTube channels is uh-huh. GeoWizard. Yes, I do. He's the guy who does a lot of geo-guessing mm-hmm. and then a lot of other geography and travel-related content. Yeah. He... Is he the guy that does the soil? Have you seen that guy who does geo-guesser and he guesses it by looking at the no, soil? No, no, but I know who that is. Crazy. And, well, he, that guy is insane. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I love him. I love him. Um, I think his name is Rainbolt. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, love him. Yeah. He's crazy. The best. But no, this is Geo Wizard. Mm-hmm. He um posted a video the other day and was like, I could get dangerously addicted to this game or something like that. And so I was like, All right, Tom. T- lay it on me. Yeah, you're speaking my language. Yeah. So it's called Chronophoto. Okay. And so basically there's an app version. So you hit play and it sends you just a random picture. Okay. And you have to guess what year you think it was taken. Oh, we're doing that. It is so difficult. (laughs) I was very bad at it. I'm excited. I tried. I think I'm going to be good at it. Yeah. It's, it was very fun. Um, But yeah, there's some really cool ones where like, you know, there was one where I was like, oh, that has to be the 70s. And it was like 2014. And I was like, oops. 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 Um, But and so it was interesting seeing him do it, too, because he's very into cars also. Mm. And so he was like, oh, I wonder, you know, if this is the version of this. Or, I don't know. It's just it's really interesting. Wild. So it doesn't give you like geographical information. There's no information about these photos that you just look at it. Use your little context clues. Yeah. And you put that year in and then they score you accordingly. And it was Ugh. it's very fun. That sounds amazing. I can't wait to play it as soon as we hit stop. Recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Immediately <laughs> after. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but I think that's the latest news on my end. Okay. Um, yeah. What's up with you? Um, nothing new TV wise, but um, I did watch a movie the other day, which I really okay. enjoyed um, called Seven Women and a Murder. Oh. It's an Italian Movie? Yes, I remember we saw like a little blurb about that. Or we did, and I our... put it on yes. my list immediately. And then on my next day off, I watched it. And the um, 
the woman in White Lotus who like runs the hotel is in it. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, she's like the spinster sister who's mm. in love with her brother-in-law, and oh. um, it's very very good. I really really enjoyed it. Um, so highly recommend. Very okay. like visually appealing. Uh. Like bright colors, and mm. I mean you know it's Italy. What's not? To yeah. Love? What's not to love? Um, a cranky old grandma who's like an alcoholic. She's just like Beautiful. freaking out and saying, get me a Negroni. <laughs> and I'm like, that is me. me. Beer me that Negroni. <laughs> <laughs> um, but otherwise, <laughs> I have something to share with everyone. Okay. Because yeah. today, literally this morning, I was sitting here thinking, when was the last time I checked our email? Oh, whoops. It's been a long time. Um, and I just have some highlights. To show. Oh boy. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> With my favorite one from someone named Carlos, uh, at some sort of like podcast company, but letting us know that we're ranked very high in history podcasts in the, in Greece. Oh, are we? <laughs> 96 in the category of history in wow. Greece. Wow. <laughs> That's like like a Greek history ninety six is yeah. like a three to five yeah. elsewhere. I think so. I think the that's Greeks the are conversion. stacked on history. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but beautiful. But an actually important one is uh, from someone named Sarah, uh, who I believe is from the American Museum of Magic. Beautiful. Who said. And this was in July 11th of last year. Okay, whoops. So, so Sarah, sorry. I'm uh. so, so sorry if you're still listening. Um, but Sarah said, hi, Megan and Madison. Thanks for mentioning the American Museum of Magic on your podcast. As soon as you got to Google reviews, I knew immediately whose would be featured. <laughs> oh, Tiffany, thanks for the laugh. And I was like, what was that one? So I went and looked it up, immediately remembered. Tiffany gave it two stars and said, I don't care about this town. It wasn't good enough. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany, you dumb bitch. <laughs> Tiffany. Oh. But yeah, there oh. were lots of emails. I'm so sorry to everyone. That I, I, just, I can barely check my personal I can email. barely check my personal. Here's the thing. I forgot entirely that we even had it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because it was just a bit for so long. <laughs> it was. It was. And then we were like, well, you know, the real communication happens on social media. It does. Yeah. Um. Oh, well, thanks, everyone, for emailing us. Yeah. We love and it. And we're sorry. And we're going to get back on that horse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back on that email horse. Back on that email horse. Um. Should we get to the museum? I think we must. Let's do it. Goodbye, intro. Goodbye, intro. Madison Campers, welcome to the main portion of our podcast. (laughs) We're back, baby. The bread and butter, if you will. My favorite food. Today, as we continue to sprint towards Valentine's Day, Mm. I'm going to keep the celebration alive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Today is all about another mutual love of mine and Madison's. Oh, no. In recent months, it's also become a new hobby for me. We're headed to Europe to visit the bread museums of Germany. (gasps) Bread. Bread. My favorite. My absolute favorite. Let me scroll through these sources real quick. We've got the Wikipedia pages for bread, history of bread, and a list of breads. Oh. Um, Historyofbread.com. 
article, an Atlas Obscura article for the um, Museum of Bread Culture, and a New York Times article from 1982 um, called Two German Museums Give Bread a Place in History. Cute. Madison, tell me about some of your favorite breads of all time. Okay. Let's get through this. Let's get through it. So we may have talked about this. Um, in one of our many Jungle Gyms uh, mm, conversations, specifically sure. the Jungle Gyms episode. But when I was very young, um, and I think my sister was, you know, pretty newborn, so I had to have been four or five, um, my mom would often take us to Jungle Gyms mm-hmm. just to, you know, blow off some steam. Yeah. Be entertained for a while and also get groceries. It still you know, works to the it day. Where it is a hobby yeah, at this point. It's a hobby. It's a hobby. And so my mom, we used to always stop at the bakery portion and my mom would get a loaf of fresh ciabatta. <sighs> and so she, you know, gave me a piece. And I was, I think at that point I was like in the backseat of the car because mm-hmm. um, I was, of course, complaining how hungry I was. And she's like, here, I just got this bread. She tears off a hunk of it. And I was like, this is the best bread in yeah. the world. Oh. And so that's what we called it for years. It was the like, we have to go to Jungle Gyms and get the best bread in the world. That's so and so sweet. for for like way too long, yeah. I thought that it was just like a special secret Jungle Gyms recipe. And my mom was like, no, you dummy. It was just it's, ciabatta. It's just <laughs> like, ciabatta. It's simply a loaf of but, ciabatta. I mean, ciabatta is. It's. Oh, it's good. so it's good. So I didn't good. put it on my list of favorite breads here, but it is. Yeah. It's on the list. It's on the list. Um, so that one is, that one holds a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, lately, if something, uh, if a menu includes something with milk bread, Love very milk into milk bread. bread the oh. one, when we went to New York. Yes. And that first restaurant we went to. Yeah. Um, so good. I don't even remember what it was. I just remember it being unreal. It, it was unreal. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. So good. Yeah. Um, am I still good to keep listing bread? Please. I, I mean, that's the whole podcast. It's just going to be us talking about bread. Um, I just I just love bread in all of its forms. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got a bread maker for Christmas. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, Thanks, Matthew, did. for getting my explicit hint. Um <laughs> shouts out yeah um and so still working my way through that one i actually almost made bread before i came over today Ooh. because um i obviously i don't need a reason um yeah. but then i waited too long so mm. you know how i do yeah i mean it happens yeah. bread is something you gotta have a lot of time for yeah 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 um, I've got a little list here I'd like to go through of some things that I love when it comes to bread. Number one, first and foremost, sourdough. You yeah. can't get better than sourdough. No, nope. Love it. Love it. Uh, number two, and I can't believe you didn't say it, pretzels. Oh, yeah. Pretzel bread. Oh, my God. I was thinking last night about pretzel ice cream cones, which I know is really tangential. Oh. They used to have them at Grater's. Really? And then they stopped. And there was, I tell you, there was nothing better than a black raspberry chip scoop of ice cream with a pretzel cone. I was just thinking like butter pecan with Mm. pretzel. Mm -hmm. That would be good. It's all good. It's all good. Focaccia. I was just thinking about focaccia. Oh, Oh. so good. Bagels. Bagels. Cornbread. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um... Hoe cake is a, you know, maybe a lesser known one, but a big one from my childhood. Mm -hmm. If you're Southern or 
southern adjacent, you may have heard of hoe cake. Or if you're a hoe. Or if you're a hoe. Then any cake. <laughs> I also... <laughs> I also have to give a shout out to like fictional breads because they take up a big space in my mind, I okay. think, which is like, um, first and foremost, Limbus bread from Lord of the Rings. Sure. Huge, Huge big deal. deal. Yeah. You know, it's like the elvish bread where you, it's supposed to be very filling. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I think I've, um, probably talked about this many times with you, a fictional bread that sticks out in my mind. Is manna from heaven. <laughs> Is manna. <laughs> is manna bread? I That's what I always was led to. I've I always thought, thought it was bread, but I think it's not bread. In my head, as a yeah. child, yeah. that's where communion bread came from. Yeah. Is it was just pe- little like bread pellets. Yeah. And, and God was like, this is what you're going to have every Sunday. <laughs> and you're going to like it. No, but I think about... Um, this is going to be so niche. No one's going to know. Sure. But in Thumbelina... Miss Field Mouse like is baking this thing of rolls and she brings it out of the oven and they're like, they're so beautiful and yeah. steaming. And mm-hmm. I think about that all the time. I know. You've look- sent me that picture before. <laughs> yeah, because it's incredible. Um, brioche. Oh, I love brioche. Brioche is so good. A um, brioche French toast. Have you ever done that? Yeah. Oh. Matt, that's bread. what Matt made for Christmas morning this past year was brioche French bread. That sounds so good right It now. was so good. Oh, my God. Um, according to Wikipedia, manna is, according to the Bible, an edible substance. Okay. Um, <laughs> so. So it, we're not wrong we're for not being wrong. confused about. It apparently is. Oh, it tastes. Its taste was like wafers with honey. Okay. So I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, chalk that I'd up to biblical to, mysteries. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'd love to get the scientists in on this. What was it actually? Yeah, what kind of uh, unleavened snack was raining from the sky? Yeah, or yeah. just maybe the trees above or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Yep. <laughs> um, there are, I mean, there's like a billion different types of bread, Yeah. right? And boy, do we love all of them. All of them. Even like the ones a, we like, haven't had yet. Yeah. One with like a bunch of seed in oh, it. I love a seedy, hearty a bread. seeded bread. Love. Oh. oh my God. Oh my God. We have to. What's your bread situation downstairs? Um, I think it's pretty good. Okay. Okay. I think it's pretty good. I can always make a loaf too. Yeah. Just whip one up. Just whip it up. Uh, we all know that bread has existed for many, many, many years. Rightfully it's so. It's so old. Um, so let's get into some of this juicy history, shall Ayo. we? Okay. We're going to go to Wikipedia, obviously. Um, and here we go. Bread is one of the oldest prepared foods. Evidence from 30,000 years ago in Jesus. Europe and Australia revealed starch residue on rocks used for pounding plants. It is possible that during this time, starch extract from the roots of plants, such as cattails and ferns, was spread on a flat rock, placed over a fire, and cooked into a primitive form of flatbread. Oh, flatbread. Naan. A garlic naan. Oh my god, I need it. The oldest evidence of bread making has been found in a 14,500-year-old Natufian site in Jordan's northeastern desert. 14,500 years old is wild. And to be able to look at it and be like, oh, that was bread. Yeah, <laughs> like, that was bread. Sure? Yeah. 
I saw a picture of it. It looks like a piece of a meteorite, honestly. Okay. I mean, potato, potato. Look. Exactly. <laughs> it just might be bread from space. Yeah. Oh, uh, space bread. Space bread. Around 10,000 BC, with the dawn of the Neolithic age and the spread of agriculture, grains become, became the mainstay of making bread. Yeast spores are ubiquitous, including on the surface of cereal grains, so any dough left to rest leavens naturally. Hmm. An early leavened bread was baked as early as 6,000 BC in southern Mesopotamia, cradle of the Sumerian civilization who may have passed on the knowledge to the Egyptians around 3,000 BC. The, <laughs> They're just going to hang on to it for a couple thousand years. Yeah, like, just okay, yeah. Egypt. Finally, we'll tell, I guess we'll go. tell you our secret. <laughs> <laughs> the Egyptians refined the process and started adding yeast to the flour. The Sumerians were already using ash to supplement the dough as it was baked. Ash, that doesn't seem good. There were multiple sources of leavening available for early bread. Airborne yeast could be harnessed by leaving uncooked dough exposed to air for some time before cooking. Pliny the Elder. Whoa. That guy was everywhere. He really was. I, I swear he's in every Wikipedia article. He is. I couldn't tell you when he lived specifically because no. I just feel like he's in every... He's part of everything. He's always there. He's got those old hands <laughs> in every chapter of history. He really does. Um, Pliny the Elder reported that the Gauls and Iberians used the foam skimmed from beer called barm to produce a lighter kind of bread than other people's, such as barm cake. That's Pro- fascinating. I that, know. Like to have an understanding of chemistry. Wild. <laughs> I could never. The fact that they were doing this thousands and thousands of years ago when yeah. I'm just now starting to figure yeah, it out. I have the internet and I'm like, I would never have been like, yeah. I would never have put that together. I know how yeast works. I know how bread works yeah. at a very, you know, rudimentary level. Yeah, very And I never would have. Mm-mm. I couldn't do it. No. Yeah. Who gets it? I don't. Parts of the ancient world that drank wine instead of beer used a paste composed of grape juice and flour that was allowed to begin fermenting or wheat bran steeped in wine as a source for yeast. Mm. The most common source of leavening was to retain a piece of dough from the previous day to use as a, uh, as a form of sourdough starter, Hell as yeah. Pliny also reported. We love that. The ancient Egyptians, Greeks, and Romans all considered the degree of refinement in the bakery arts as a sign of civilization. I mean, same. I mean, I do too. Yeah. Um, let's move on a little bit further into the Middle Ages, shall we? I would love to. Back to Wikipedia. In medieval Europe, bread served not only as a staple food, but also as a part of the table service. In the standard table setting of the day, the trencher, a piece of stale bread, roughly six inches by four inches, was served as an absorbent plate. When food was scarce, an all-too-common occurrence in medieval Europe, the trencher, when served, would typically be eaten with or at the completion of a meal. In times of relative abundance, trenchers could be given to the poor or fed to the dogs. It was not until the 15th century that trenchers made of wood started to replace the bread variety. In Britain, the price, weight, and quality of bread and beer was regulated by the assize of bread and ale, I don't know what that is, from the 13th century. 
Assizes were abandoned in Glasgow in 1801, in London in 1815, and the rest of Britain in 1836. Hmm. Um, okay, we're going to skip ahead to the 19th century now. Okay. Where things start to get a little controversial oh. as governments step in. Um, they just like to get in the way of people living their mm-hmm, lives. Mm-hmm. Um, the Corn Laws... <laughs> inflated the price of bread. The Anti-Corn Law League demanded cheap bread. After repeal of the Corn Laws in 1846, cereal duties were substantially reduced and abolished in 1869. From the late 18th century to the end of the 19th century, bread sold in England and in the United States was often adulterated with hazardous materials, including chalk, sawdust, alum, plaster, clay, and ammonium carbonate. Great. Great. Like, why? <laughs> um, like, <laughs> that's insane. Frederick, Might as well just mix them asbestos in there. Yeah, just mix whatever just you want to, in there. For good measure. Yeah, no out. one's going to notice. No one's going to know. <laughs> Frederick Acum was the first to raise alarm to the food adulteration in 1820. In 1837, American health reformer Sylvester Graham Uh, published Treaties on Bread and Bread Making, which described how to use unrefined wheat flour to make graham bread at home in response to adulterated bread sold in public bake houses. Uh, Graham was everywhere. Yeah. We have talked about that guy so many times on this podcast. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Busy boy. He's a busy boy. (laughs) This gradually came to an end with government action, such as the 1860 and 1899 Food Adulteration Acts in Britain. America had a more difficult time ending these processes of adulteration, however. Wow, that sounds familiar. As as various states had varying policies regarding bread making. Great. We love states' rights. And we love policies about bread. Policies about bread that you can't make, like, on a federal level. What are we doing? It's It's way too much. Yeah. Please just chill. Um, I have some fun bread facts I'd like to share with you. All right. The first one is so funny to me. A rolled up piece of white bread was used to erase graphite before rubber erasers were invented. Okay. That's fascinating, actually. It's very fascinating. Also a classic, like, chubby kid snack Um, in my childhood. Like, I would take the... I would take a piece of white bread and you take the crust off and then you roll the bread into a ball. You turn that back into dough. And it's so good. So good. (laughs) Uh, Within five years of the invention of a machine for making sliced bread, 80% of bread sold in the USA was sliced. So just immediately switching over to sliced bread. I mean, why wouldn't we have somebody else do that work for us? Yeah, we're not trying to do our own work. (laughs) In medieval times, bread was used as, as an as absorbent plate, which we already talked about. Uh, it was called trencher. A and- bread bowl. <laughs> what? A bread bowl. Yes, a bread bowl. Like at Panera. I thought you said a Red Bull. And I was like, it's no. Like, oh, yeah. You know. It- yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. The Red Bull of the Middle Ages. Yeah. <laughs> gives you wings. <laughs> 
Um, and after the meal, trencher could then be eaten, given to the poor, fed to the dogs, like we said. There is a theory, however, that a pizza comes from a trencher. <gasps> that would be interesting. Trenchers would be a great pizza Ria name. Oh, yeah. Are Trenchers we doing this? pizza. Okay. Yeah. Add it to the list. Add it to the list. <laughs> um, I loved this little fun fact. The longest loaf of bread ever baked was 1.2 kilometers long. That's, what kind of oven situation do we have here? <laughs> That's a great question. What kind of oven situation? Like, is it kind of like a really big easy bake where it just like... You just push it through the tube and it just goes. Yeah, that's what I was time. thinking. Or like a a pizza oven where it like rolls through. Mm. Like you could just keep feeding it. Yeah, you just dough. keep going. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Okay, Germany has the largest consumption of bread per capita worldwide, followed uh, by Chile. Wow, I'm jealous. Um, yeah, how are Ameri- like- Americans? What are we doing? <laughs> Surely we should have that. Yeah, we should rank in the bag. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This was my favorite one, though. The word companion (gasps) comes from Latin, uh, meaning with, uh, Latin com, meaning with, and panis, meaning bread, the one you share your bread with. Wholesome. That's so cute. Wholesome. Oh, I love fun facts, especially about bread. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, So from what I could find, there are two bread museums in Germany, the Museum of Bread Culture and the European Bread Museum. I was very confused trying to figure out because there's not a huge online presence for either. And like trying to decipher, are these the same museum? Are they not? What's going on? German into the mix. Oh, I never know. Yeah. Nothing's in English. (laughs) Um. So, yeah, like I said, neither have a huge internet presence, but of course, there are plenty of people who have been to both of these and have written about it. Um, So firstly, we have an Atlas Obscura article about the Museum of Bread Culture. And also they put, this is in Ulm, Germany, and the subtitle says, a typical crusty old museum, this isn't. I love that. I love it so God, much. God, I love a crusty bread. God. A baguette. Oh, I love a baguette. We, how have we not talked about baguette yet? I, I know. And just like your basic like rustic <sighs> Italian or rustic French loaf. Yes. Yes. So good. Yeah. God, I love bread. The culture of bread is probably not something many people consider. Mm, I don't know. I do. I think about it. It's a central part of people's diets throughout almost all of the world's cultures. It's so central, it's part of numerous cliches for the basics of food, along with butter. In Germany, a pair of men decided that their grains and yeast needed a special site dedicated to the doughy friend of breakfast. They were willy... The doughy friend of breakfast is so so good. It's so cute. Uh, Willie Isolin and his son, uh, Herman Isolin, I hope I'm saying that right, uh, together they started the Krusty Enterprise in 1955 as an association, followed in 1960 as an exhibit. The first of its kind, it remained a private institution until 1991 when it was taken over by a charitable foundation named after the father-son team. The museum houses 16,000 artifacts related to the history of bread, 
but no actual bread. I mean, I think that's fair. I feel like if I go to a bread museum, I'm going to want to slice. Yeah, but not on display. No, not on display. Maybe they have a little gift shop. Just some walking around bread. (sighs) Just tear me off a hunk. Yeah. It's like a walk and taco. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's just a loaf on the go. It's a loaf on the go. Um, The museum website states, bread itself does not form part of the collection, reflecting the museum founder's firm belief that bread is not a museum artifact, but a food freshly baked each day. I mean, hot take. Yeah. I mean, great job. (laughs) (laughs) Plant your flag where you believe. Yeah. There are books, though. 6,000 pieces of written work give a fairly comprehensive description of bread in its many forms. Art is also part of the collection with a variety of impressive pieces, including work by Picasso. Hmm. Counting the art and equipment, the museum contains the largest known collection revolving around bread's cultural history. The museum does have a serious message along with its doughy paraphernalia. When food shortages around the world, famine is an issue of real import in the museum. The foundation caring for the museum also helps fund research on nutritional deficits. Hmm. Over a million people have visited the site, which is housed in a a historic 16th century building called the Salt Barn. Oh, and this is the Bread Culture Museum? Yes. Okay, cute. So cute. That sounds like a really, um, like a white girl wedding venue. Yeah. (laughs) The Salt Barn. (laughs) Just burlap and mason jars forever. I'd go there to relax, I think. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then I found a New York Times article, uh, like I said, called Two German Museums Give Bread a Place in History. It was written in 1982. And they refer to, I'm trying to remember what they call the other museum. But I think, oh, the European, wait. The German Bread Museum, they refer to as the mm. one in Ulm. So I'm guessing that the German Bread Museum at some point became the Museum of Bread Culture. Okay. Okay. Sometime after 1982. Um, so I'm going to dive into this uh, article because I think it's really well written. They get a lot of detail in there. Um So in a country where bread has been a basic food throughout recorded history, it would hardly devote to tracing the practical to find a museum symbolic significance of the staff of life. But in Germany, there are two such establishments, the German Bread Museum in Ulm um, on the Danube midway between Stuttgart and Munich and the European Bread Museum to the north in Mollenfield, New near Got- Gottingen, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. Checks out. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the museums, which attract more than 100,000 visitors each year, portray the processing of grain from field to table. Their collections, including paintings, prints, and relics, range from a simple flint sickle from the 2nd century BC wow. to elaborate 18th century Lebkuchen molds. Mm-hmm whatever that is. Sure. Each museum grew out of a merchant's compelling interest in accumulating the ancient artifacts of his trade. Both men, Dr. W. Iselin of Ulm and Otto Kunkel of Berlin, 
lost their original collections during World War II, reassembled them in the ensuing decades, purchased buildings to house the material, and opened their museums to the public to broaden awareness of the importance of bread and its role in alleviating hunger. Although the founders have since died, their families continue to collect artifacts and administer the museums with financial assistance from a variety of trade, public and pri- public and private resources. Uh, yet, despite parallel origins, subject matter, and goals, the atmosphere at each institution is as distinctive as its setting. The German Bread Museum occupies a spacious gray stucco and stone house on a hill overlooking Ulm, a city noti- noted for its splendid Gothic cathedral and spire, the tallest cathedral tower in the world, and for the hearty Swabian specialties served at riverside restaurants in the pi- picturesque Old Fisherman's District. <laughs> they just they paint such a nice picture. They really do. Words. Handsome displays use photo murals, dioramas, other graphic dement. I don't, I don't know what that word is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the historical, religious, and cultural manifestations of milling and baking. You know what I'm thinking? Hmm. I think that they probably, um, that this is like dictated from like an actual newspaper. Oh, and there's, and there's probably some errors in here that stuff. I'm, yes, struggling probably. through. So I wonder if that's like document the historical, religious, and cultural manifestations. Maybe. Oh, probably. Uh, there's also a reference library and series of scholarly museum publications, all in German. For English-speaking visitors, a small leaflet is available. Arrangements for guided tours can be made in advance, but most visitors would understand the exhibits without any explanation. A display tracing the evolution of bread in the ancient world includes murals, statues, and masks depicting Assyrian, Aztec, Egyptian, and Greek grain worship. A group of Greek terracotta figures from the 5th century BC demonstrate the grinding of wheat, the mixing of dough, and the baking and offering of bread for sale. The close connection of bread with Christianity furnishes a wealth of memorabilia. Silver communion plates, depictions of the Last Supper, a 1570 wafer iron with the motto, All in God's Name. Hmm. (laughs) God loves bread. It's the original, like, um, Virgin Mary on a piece of toast. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> trying to sell it on ancient ebay yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> just getting anyone ancient any eBay. bites <laughs> the varieties of wheat and how they are grown harvested and milled is a second theme and a third is a display of ovens and baking implements ration stamps commemorative medals and prints make graphic the starvation caused by war and crop failure One series of 20 watercolors depicts the famine of 1816 through 1817, and Kathy Kolwitz's haunting lithographs are 20th century reminders of the continuing specter of hunger. For more prosperous times, there are cases of elegant copper bread molds and intricately carved Springerly and Lebuchen, Lebuchen, I don't know German, boards (laughs) boards for <laughs> no one does does anyone know German? i don't think so <laughs> for imprinting <clears throat> the cookies that are still popular in germany at christmas 
Each December, the museum staff invites townspeople to bring dough to be pressed into the antique forms. It is removed and dried for 24 hours at home before baking. I love that's so cute. Okay, townspeople. The Lebkuchen. Yeah, there's a. I don't know which one is which, but it looks like it's just sort of like a gingerbread cookie. Cute. Where like there's a few different options. Ooh. Yeah. On the internet. I love a gingerbread cookie. Oh, same. Um, all year long at the European Bread Museum in Molenfield, there is a tantalizing aroma of sourdough bread baking in a 17th century outdoor oven. Sign, I mean, sign, sign me up. up. Also, here's the thing. I love eating sourdough, mm-hmm. but I'm still kind of at war with it mm-hmm. from when I... It's a lot. That, I have never been angry in my life. I'm going to try it. Then I in think. the two weeks or whatever it was that I tried to have a sourdough sa- starter. Yeah. I was miserable (laughs) i cannot overstate to you how much i hated my life at that point it was awful Uh, yeah i remember because i happened to visit you when you were doing it and you were not happy about it it oh my god yeah it was the worst but i think i'm gonna venture into a sourdough starter i made eventually i mean i made some bread and it was fine but then i did make sourdough pizza dough and we had some sourdough pizza that sounds good and that was very good not worth it but very very good (laughs) um the museum is in a converted gamekeeper's lodge in a shimmering field of golden wheat between a tiny village of neat half-timbered houses and a 14th century storybook castle the setting is so serene that it's is startling to find cars and a tour bus parked at the gate and a group of school children inside solemnly surveying the floor to ceiling displays the pack that pack the two story lodge. The informal arrangements enable the visitor to meander from room to room, pausing at whatever catches the eye, a hand mill from 2000 BC, a gaily decorated. I don't know how to say that word. It's S-I-C-I-H-A-N. I don't know where to begin with that. S-I-C-I-H-A-N. I don't know. Sika Han. Yes, sure. A bread cart, um, an array of hand-carved wooden rice cake mold forms uh, from 18th century Japan. There are molds and examples of hundreds of breads. Some are typical regional loaves, such as Scandinavian and Persian flatbreads and French baguettes. Others are festive breads, such as Easter braids embedded with colored eggs. Fastnacht carnival masks and mice-shaped rolls from Hamelin. They were made at baking schools in Stuttgart and Göttingen from models reproduced for the museum by the government's bakery research center at Detmold. Each is coated with a preservative. Hunger finally lures the the visitor to the museum's cafe and bakery with its tempting array of local specialties, including the crusty sourdough country bread, tiny bird-shaped rolls, onion loaves, shiny dark pumpernickel, crisp nut-filled pastry strips, and apples baked in thin crusts. Is it possible that Sikahan was supposed to be Sicilian? It's possible because I just tried to look it up and and, and Google was like, there's out. nothing. Yeah, that's I mean, it definitely <laughs> I, I think definitely some things in that article yeah, may have been smudged may have been up. smudged. Um, 
What can you do? As far as reviews go, because they were in Germany, everything was translated and anything that was funny was just a translation. I know. And I hate. And I hate doing that. I hate that. that. I mean, I think it's still funny, but I hate it. Yeah. I'm going to laugh to myself, but I'm not going to openly make fun of them. Yeah. (laughs) For speaking their own language. Yeah. Amazing. those are, yeah, the bread museums of Germany. Uh, Man, I have, I would... I just want to go on like a European bread tour. Okay. Where I'll do that. I just eat nothing but bread and butter and cheese. I've always wanted to try a bannock from Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, God, what are some other breads I need to try? Yeah. I'm sure the Irish have some yeah, good breads. soda bread. I like a soda, a soda bread. bread we love. Love. Yeah. God, I love bread. We used to make, uh, I feel like, my parents would make like beer bread every now and then. Mm. And that was always really good. I don't know that I've ever had that. It's pretty good. Pretty good. If you like a yeasty and flavor. And you know I do. <laughs> and you know I you do. You know I do. <laughs> oh, God, I love bread. And here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Bread, great by itself, mm-hmm. you know, with a little bit of butter, oil. Or a lot cheese. of bit of butter. Yeah. You know, bread with any sort of nice fat, great. Bread as the co-star in, you know, an entree, like a sandwich, a grilled cheese, a pizza. The best. I just, it can do no wrong. It made me think of um, the fact that there's a Danish word for when you have butter so thick on a piece of bread that you see your teeth marks in it. No way. Yeah, it's called tan. I'm going to say it wrong, but tans more, I think. Beautiful. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. Wow. I need some bread and butter. Okay. We'll just go get some after we stop recording. Okay. Great. I wish there was like a bread and butter restaurant where you do a drive through. Yes. And yet another business opportunity. Wow. We've got a whole list. Yeah. Campers. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow, wow. I mean, are you as hungry as I am? I'm starving, I'm actually. starving. I'm I did hungry. also not eat lunch. Um, Same. So... I'm going to need some bread to rectify that. Yeah. Um, Campers, what's your favorite type of bread? What's your favorite genre of bread? What's mm-hmm. your favorite way to consume bread? Is it, you know, a pizza? Is yeah. it a sandwich? Mm. Is it... Um, Is it the Texas Roadhouse Rolls? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is it um, that basket from the Cheesecake Factory? Oh, we have a local restaurant here in Cincinnati. I was thinking about like, what are my favorite like bread experiences that I've had? Have you been to Nicola's? No. Girl, they do a bread basket there. It's so it's like, I think it's like Italian French food. It's Mm -hmm. very nice, very upscale, Mm -hmm. but you can get a bread basket and they have these breads that have like, um, like a slice of, um, onion baked into it or a slice of zucchini oh. or tomato and they're just oh god god i love bread oh. i thought you were gonna say that the cheesecake factory was a local joint that is yeah it's here. our and favorite like, local joint. okay <laughs> i do love that brown bread at it's cheesecake so factory. good it's oh. so good god i love it we want to hear from you we want to know what your you know what's your um bread identity yeah What's yeah, what your, is your bread identity? What, what is your uh, go-to when it comes to bread? Yeah. Do you like to make it? Do you just like to eat it? Mm. You know. Yeah. I, 
hit me with all of it. Tell um, me everything. Tell me everything. Talk, talk, talk. <laughs> um, and where you can talk to us, where we can talk bread, mm-hmm. is social media. Mm. We are at the Museum Camp on TikTok and on Instagram and nowhere else. And nowhere else. Nowhere else. Um, theoretically, you can email us. <laughs> Hello at the museum. Yeah, I'm gonna camp. start checking it more yeah. than once a year. But also, no problem yeah. or no promises. No I mean, promises. No promises. Yeah. Um, if you <laughs> want to financially support um, us and our bread habit and our podcasting, <laughs> um, you can do so via Patreon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patreon.com/slash/the-museum-camp. Thank you, as always, to our patrons. Um, and lastly, we would love. For you to leave us a review yeah um you know how to do it you know what reviews are you know what the good ones are five stars mm-hmm. um <laughs> we would love to hear nice things from you mm-hmm. in we our sure little would. review box um and campers that's it yeah that's all we got it's just a little slice of an episode for you Ayo. <laughs> i know i feel like i as soon as we, you know, stop recording, the puns I'm gonna, are gonna, yeah, just be, yeah, pelted. We're gonna be rolling. In. Oh <laughs> man, you're killing it. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> just record yourself later saying something. Yeah, and just it splice into, it in. Yeah. yeah. Um, campers, we love you. We'll see you next time. We love you. Goodbye. Goodbye.